are listening to the Long Overdue Podcast, coming to you from Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas. And today we have our regular guests. We have Denise. Hi. And Brandon. Hello, hello. And myself, Dawn. And we have a special guest today, Chief Delvin Campbell. Hello. The city of Decatur Police Chief. Yes. All right. (laughs) We're super glad you're here today. I can't believe we've not had you on our podcast before. Have not. Yeah. So this will be good. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, so you've been chief since January January 1st, 2021. That's when I became director. See? Yes. Yeah. There's no <laughs> <laughs> um, did you ever think you would be the chief of police? Um, you know, honestly, there was a time, I, you know, it's kind of was a long-term goal. Okay. Um, was to be the chief. Mm-hmm. Um, even coming to Decatur. Um, to work here at the department mm-hmm. 20 years ago now. Mm-hmm. It, um, that was a long-term goal, Yeah, was to start out and then slowly promote. Even in 02 when I started with the city, um, you could see the potential for the growth um, just in and around Decatur at that time. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately we had a little recession and set some things back as far as the growth of the town. But I kind of envisioned the way the city was going to grow, the department was going to grow. And so long term, yeah, that was uh, that was always a goal. I love that, which we're doing another podcast about leadership. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a really good thing, because when I interviewed here with Pat, she asked me what my long term goals were. And yeah. I said to be director of the library. And um, she's like, oh, and here I am. So, yeah. you know, if you don't have those goals. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You might not ever get there. So. Yeah, no, you, you've got to have your goals. you got to be have something to uh, strive to achieve. Yeah. Now i got to think about my next one. <laughs> <laughs> Construction manager. That's what I am. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a bunch of questions, but a lot of times our podcasts are just, they organically kind of go here mm-hmm. and there. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody says anything, Brandon... <clears throat> <laughs> Ask any questions that you don't want to answer. That's fine. Okay. Um, so did you always want to be a police officer when you were young? So growing up, I always wanted to be a game warden. Oh. So kind of along the same lines. Uh-huh. Um, originally, I'd gone to uh, Tarleton um, okay. to study wildlife management mm-hmm. to pursue that you know game warden career. Um, originally... I also played baseball my freshman year there at Tarleton. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of had a little knee problem and then kind of stepped away from school. Mm-hmm. But I always wanted to be a game warden. And then I had an opportunity to start riding with some uh, friends that I knew that worked here at the Wise County Sheriff's Department at the time. Mm-hmm. And just really kind of got hooked on the whole just police officer side Um being able to see then really more in depth what the game wardens do. They work a lot during the hunting and fishing seasons. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know what? I can still do some of the similar type things, (laughs) but still have off to do my hunting and fishing. Do your own. That's right. But originally I always wanted to be a game warden. You know, we're just, we've got more links than you you realize. I wanted to be a, um, Park a ranger. ranger, park ranger. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. just talked about this the other day, uh, and I don't know why I didn't. I mean, you at least went to school for something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't get that far. Um, <laughs> Different kind of wildlife management. Yes, really. and we were talking about 
game wardens the other day Mm -hmm. and park rangers about how they have a lot more duties than you realize on the policing side. Right. Uh, Totally blew me away when I started hearing stuff like that. Yep. And, of course, it depends on, too, what type of, like, a park ranger you are. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the game wardens, obviously, they're certified, commissioned peace officers. Okay. Just like we currently are. Mm -hmm. And they have all the arrest authorities and everything. Um, Some of the guys that you deal with, you know, like here in Decatur and Wise County, Mm -hmm. we have the LBJ Grasslands. And so they have federal game wardens. Oh. um, Which... A, a similar to a park ranger mm-hmm. um, yeah and so they have federal powers so a little bit higher up in the, the realm of um policing or law enforcement so we talked about this the other day <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> so we talked about uh national parks uh-huh. and there's one national park yellowstone that has covers three states and there's a, a dead zone in one of them where you can't get a jury because nobody lives there. So if you murder somebody in that area, yeah, you basically was... get off because they can't find a jury for it. If you say you don't want to be... That um, you want to have citizens from both states be on the jury, which you have the right to if... So Instead y- of the, the park, because the park's really in control of it, but you can opt to have the state mm-hmm. instead. And so then they can't, if no one lives in that area, then they can't pull a jury from that area. So it's a loophole hmm. to where. Interesting. Never <laughs> heard yeah. of it. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Um, but there's not very many federal agents in the parks. There's only like 32. Yeah. Uh, so they've got a lot to cover. Yes. So, and when you think about hunting and fishing season, that's, it, it's busy. Yes, a lot. So. Um, all right, let's see what we've got. What's a common myth about your job or field of expertise? A uh, common myth, like good or bad? Either. We're up for anything. Um, well, obviously, just a humorous myth mm-hmm. uh, is obviously that we eat donuts. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, I will tell you, so we've kind of transformed that at Decatur. We don't eat donuts. Okay. We eat pastries. Um, okay, you're moving up. We are. We're a little more sophisticated officers okay. than most. So Got we it. eat pastries. Okay. So if anybody plans to bring what they may refer to as donuts to us, we would prefer them to be pastries. Pastries, okay. Yes. Um, so that's just kind of a you know humorous thing to go along with Yes, that. but, you know, we need the public to know that. Right. <laughs> we, we prefer pastries in Decatur than donuts. Yes. <laughs> So, Please feel free to deliver them to the police station at any time. Exactly. <laughs> we're, you know, we're always open for food, so That's we right. don't shy away from it, to say the least. But um, let's see, something else, kind of a myth. Um, you know, if, you know, I don't know, a lot of myths are that we just, uh, we pick on people, too. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a negative thing, which is not, um, not the case at all, you know, unfortunately. You know, there's a lot of rules and laws that we have to abide by, and mm-hmm. uh, we have to develop probable cause and other things. So we can't just go around just stopping whoever we want, or you know that we have quotas that we have to fill. Um, you know, that's kind of a big myth that's, that yes, goes along is. with okay. that. Is that you know, as peace officers, we have a quota on tickets. Mm-hmm. It's not the case at all. Um, 
you know, we joke even with that is we don't have a quota because we get to ride as many as we want. <laughs> so, but, you know, the reality, people do, they, they think we have quotas and that we have to meet those, and we don't. Um, we, we just, we observe violations of the law, mm-hmm. and really our main goal is to uh, correct bad driving habits or behaviors um, like from that. drivers. So mm-hmm. Correct bad driving habits. Sometimes that can be corrected through the issuance of warnings. Uh-huh. Other times, people may need an actual written citation to help. Mm-hmm. I've, I've received a few warnings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need any citation reminders. I we put myself the, back in check. We got the message. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, so what area do you cover? I mean, being the city of Decatur uh, police, where do you extend your coverage so we because we're municipal police officers Mm -hmm. um, we are allowed realistically just the incorporated city limits of Decatur is our patrol however in emergency situations or other things we can go outside of that um, to assist another agency you know depending on there's been times where we've had to um, respond to help the county um, on a disturbance or other things you know, it may be three or four miles north of town or wherever. Okay. Um, if something major is going on, um, you know, last year, the year before, whenever the Rome officer and them, yes. you know, um, were involved in that incident. Mm-hmm. And the county was down helping with that. Um, one of the things is we helped take some calls for a while. Um, oh, and so okay. we had officers that were responding to calls in several different spots of the county. That's but nice. The reality is, is we, we pretty much, we stay in Decatur. Okay. So basically just city limits. Not. Yes. Okay. Yep. You know, so for city officers, you're stuck to your cities. County, they have countywide jurisdiction. Okay. And then obviously with your DPS, your state troopers, your state police, um, they're all over the state. So where are they housed? Because um, we've got the sheriff over uh-huh. here, and then we have you guys up on the hill. Yes. And then I, I see state police cars, but I don't know where they are. Yes, so we have a DPS office, which is uh, right, it's on 287, uh, right there beside James Woods, where you go to get your driver's license. Yes. Um, That's one of the DPS offices where I think currently we have two um, different patrol stations. And so each of those patrol stations are broke up into a sergeant station. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have two of them. So we have two DPS patrol stations that are here in Decatur. And then under each of those, they have a set number of troopers that they utilize for patrolling in the county. Okay. But they ultimately have jurisdiction all over the state. So we were talking to someone, or I was, I really honestly don't remember who it was, but they were talking about officers having to go down to the border. Uh So how has that affected the city of Decatur, or is that really just the county... um, no, so that's, you know, that affects us um, as well. Um, DPS is another source of extra hands for us. Okay. Um, a big thing that we have problems with here in Wise County, everybody's familiar with the rock trucks mm-hmm. um, and the commercial vehicles like that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, you know, DPS, they enforce a lot of the commercial violations. And when they're gone, mm-hmm. um, it seems that we have more issues <laughs> um, with those individual companies not paying attention 
and taking care of equipment um, issues that they should be dealing with. And so that often, you know, turns into maybe an accident or two more for us that we have to work. Mm. And so we, we really rely on our DPS friends to help and mm-hmm. um, help keep our county a little safer as well. Okay. I just thought of something. You know, there was this thing that said, if you look up and to the left, you're thinking. If you look up and to the right, you're lying. And I was just looking up. And <laughs> I'm like, am I lying, Delvin? <laughs> Can you tell? Is that a myth or is that true? <laughs> no, you know, there are certain things that uh, we do utilize to help um, in investigations to, mm-hmm. uh, to tell if somebody's being truthful or um being dishonest about certain things. Can you divulge? So, well, you know, I I don't want to like give our (laughs) trade secrets away, but you know, there are certain things, certain cues and you know, that we do look at as far as people, just their body language and other things. It tells a lot. It does. Yeah. And that, that comes from experience. Mm -hmm. A lot of times um, from officers just over the years of watching people and observing. Mm -hmm. We're typically by nature, very observant individuals anyway. So, so I, I do notice people's facial expressions and uh, can usually tell a lot by what they're feeling. But you are very good at keeping a, like, straight face, I guess. How do you manage that? Because I don't think I – I know I have not perfected that. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, I, it's funny you say that because even the other day um, – so I've got three daughters. I've got two twin eight-year-olds and then – a 14-year-old. Oh. Um, and one of her friends had come by the house, and um, they were talking about how I'm just intimidating. <laughs> I don't really see that, but, you yeah. know, um, I, it's pretty much the same thing, is they just think I'm an intimidating um, person. <laughs> I'm just because sitting here. <laughs> you know, I guess the facial expression is yeah. just pretty normal. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. That's just kind of, I've always been that way. Okay. Do you do you notice that with your other officers that they can control that a little bit or yeah well and you know just by our job in general Mm -hmm. um, you know there's a lot of times when we're dealing with stuff that other people may find um, to be humorous or you may find to be um, extremely tragic you know and so Mm -hmm. people we kind of train ourselves Mm -hmm. which is good and bad um, because when you're in that moment you don't want you know, if you're trying to help somebody, you want to make sure that you're the type of person that they feel comfortable that you, that'll help them. That you're level headed and yeah, in control. And so, but then there's other times, you know, for us, that's also a detriment. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, with mental health, um, looking at public safety, police officers, fire and EMS, Mm -hmm. you know, over the last couple of years has really been brought to attention because of those things that we Mm -hmm. do hold a lot in and the things that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not a good thing. And so we have, we've slowly realized that, that good. it's okay sometimes for us to, you know, let people see that we're normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. there's a lot to be said with that. But, you know, for me, it's kind of always been that way. Yeah. So thinking about that, um, you guys do a lot of things that are not necessarily police work, but more community style things so you can kind of get out of that and get into like meeting people in the community and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So um, you have a bunch of things here. So the Citizens Police Academy, Explorer Post, Citizens on Patrol, Santa Cops, Back the Blue Tournament. That's golf, right? Uh Uh-huh. 
child ID, national night out, summer vacation day, and internship program. I got those off of your website. So which one's your favorite? Um, well, honestly, for me, the citizens programs. Yeah. Um, either the Citizens Police Academy or the Citizens on Patrol. For one, those are two programs that I started oh. um, several years back. Uh-huh. And they have grown over the years. Um, so I really enjoy the interaction of those classes. And that Citizens Police Academy, it's a 13-week program mm-hmm. that we offer usually two times a year, usually in the spring and the fall each year. Okay. Um, and any citizen can come and apply to go through it. And it just really sheds light on the day-to-day things that we do that otherwise a citizen may not know or may not get to see. So some of the things that we talk about in there is, you know, we go over laws the, through the penal code, mm-hmm. uh, transportation code. We go mm-hmm. over all those things. But we also bring in, you know, guys from um, our, our it's a SWAT team, basically. Um, but it's a special response team. Us and Bridgeport PD, we have a joint special response team. So we basically have a SWAT team together. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And our officers from Decatur and Bridgeport both train together um, on on those tactics. And so we show citizens those things. Mm-hmm. Um, we set up a driving course usually out in the parking lot. We put drunk gog- goggles on. Um, and we set up a little driving course with cones to simulate <laughs> an impaired um, situation behind the wheel of a car. Wow. And so things like that are always fun to do to really um, get with the citizens. But it's really just that interaction every week that you get with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once again, that they kind of see a different side of us mm-hmm. um, that normally they don't get to see. And so for yeah. me, the citizens programs are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next that is obviously um, our Back to Blue golf tournament that we do. Just simply because, you know, that's a global tournament that we do every year, but that benefits our scholarship fund. And so we've gave out um, about $25,000 now in scholarships to students um, either from Decatur or in the county Mm -hmm. who are interested in pursuing a career in some type of public safety related um, course study. That's fantastic. That's really cool. Where is the closest police academy? So there's a lot of different police academies. Tarrant County has one. Um, COG has one over in Arlington. Denton PD's does one now. Mm -hmm. Um, There's several kind of in that region. Mm -hmm. Is there one that you swear by? Like this is, this is the one to go to. You know, we used to, we we're sending all of ours currently to Denton. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where we've been sending ours. Um, But we just hired a kid the other day. Um, We're going to be sending him to Collin County. Um, he kind of lives over in that Sanger area is where his hometown is. Okay. So it's actually a little closer for him. Mm-hmm. So it really depends upon where they live. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is, is that most of the academies, I mean, they're kind of doing the exact same thing. They're mandated by TECO, okay. um, which is Texas Commission on Law Enforcement. And so, you know, they're, they're all teaching pretty much the same thing. It's just each one's got a little bit different way that they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Denton has been really good to us here lately. Good. I think it's uh, easier to get to Denton right now with all the growth that's coming in from Fort Worth and trying to get down to Arlington. Yeah, it seems like a mess. You know, it, it's tough getting to getting over to Cog. Yeah. But, you know, Tarrant County has been one that we've sent several to. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously, like I said, Denton is our other now. Okay. 
That's good. Uh, so going back to the Citizens Police Academy and the Citizens on Patrol, does that have to be a Decatur citizen or can it be a Wise County citizen? Nope. So we allow anybody in the Wise County. Um, okay. Or if you live, basically we look at it as if you live or work um, in Wise County, mm-hmm. then at some point in time you're liable to run into us. And so we allow anybody pretty much um, to come and join that. Okay. Um, just because, you know, we're the hub of the, the county. Mm-hmm. And so everybody comes. I mean, we've had people from Bridgeport, um, Boyd, um, north of town, Alvord area, mm-hmm. um, that have all come and, and been part of those classes. That's really cool. Is there a cost for them? No, there's no cost. It's all free. Um, everything wow. that we do um, through that is put on by us. Um, and so there, there's no cost to the citizen themselves. And how long is the class again? So the class is a 13-week program. Okay. Once a week? or It's once a week, usually either a Monday night or a Tuesday night, um, 630 to 930. Okay. And then at the end, we have a little graduation party where, you know, we usually um, cater some type of food and have a graduation ceremony. Um, during the class, you know, we go out to the gun range. Uh, we do a, a course on firearm safety, mm-hmm. but we go out to the gun range and we shoot guns that we have at the PD. Um, once again, like I said, all that's of no cost to the citizen. And so cool. it's it's a lot of fun. How many yeah. people can go through a class at a time? Um, you know, we've had in the past um, about 20 um, at one time. That's a big group. That's a big group. Realistically, if we get about 10 to 14 Mm-hmm. That's a very manageable number, mm-hmm. um, and that, that works out really well for us, kind of in that range. Yeah. And that's usually about the number that we get. Okay. That sounds really cool. Yeah, and we, I mean, I highly recommend it um, because, you know, you have the Citizens Police Academy. Mm-hmm. Then from there, we have an alumni association, and okay. we have the Citizens on Patrol. So we kind of have a break off. So once you graduate the, the Citizens Police Academy, mm-hmm. you have an option that you can join the Alumni Association. If you join the Alumni Association, they basically just help out with events. So when we have National Night Out on the Square, mm-hmm. you'll see our Alumni Association there helping. Okay. Um, and, and they've they come just, here to do events too, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so, I mean, they're, they go everywhere with us and help us with a mm-hmm. lot of different things. And then our Citizens on Patrol – they actually get some other specialized training mm-hmm. um, that they get to do. And then we actually have a Citizens on Patrol marked vehicle that they get to patrol the city in oh. and kind of be an extra set of eyes and ears for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's that's the real big kicker is because for our department, a lot of times there may only be two or three officers working. Oh, So we really rely on our citizens whether they're our citizens on patrol mm-hmm. or just citizens in general, mm-hmm. uh, to really help us out um, to combat crime and criminal activity. Yeah. When was the last time a citizen on patrol um, helped out in a situation? So, you know, we almost all the time. So our citizens on patrol guys, you know, we allow them to do a lot of different things. So we've had them before where they've called in a suspicious vehicle at the park. It's been after hours. Mm-hmm. They they drive through, see that a vehicle is parked there. So we've had drug arrest um, because of them before. Mm-hmm. Um, they help us, you know, if we make an arrest or something, they will actually come and they'll wait and on the wrecker 
to come. That way our officer can go ahead and leave, go take care of his business with the person they've arrested um, and do all their paperwork while the citizen is helping do the um, take the vehicle out to the impound yard. Wow. So constant things like that. We train them to uh, help work traffic. So they help us with traffic control. You know, the Christmas parade's a big thing every year. Mm-hmm. And they help us, you know, block intersections. Uh, the toy run every year, too, the same thing. Yeah. Um, they're helping helping do all that. So it, it's a constant. And if they weren't there to do it, you guys would have to do it. Yes. Ultimately, yeah. you know, they've, you know, and I can't remember the exact number, but, you know, because of their willingness to come in and volunteer their time, mm-hmm. it actually saves us money um, from the PD and on the city side mm-hmm. uh, because of the volunteer hours that they're doing. We don't have to pay another officer to come in for overtime. That's fantastic. I mean, it's great that you have the volunteers to do that. So do you have a schedule for the volunteers? So you have somebody out pretty much every night or day? Or So we pretty much leave that up to them. Okay. Um, because obviously they've got jobs and families and other things as well. Mm-hmm. So we leave that up to them. But we do have a scheduling um, kind of app that we use that they can, you know, report in that, you know, they're going out mm-hmm. and doing different things. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. Okay, so Brandon had a question. Come on out. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm just trying to figure out how to ask this question. So what is your opinion on the uh, federal legalization of marijuana that is currently going through First legislation? First of all, do you get, a, get an opinion? So, <laughs> yeah, so I will be on. I mean, so this gets asked. Um, I, you know, we... Uh, Obviously, Texas is one of the few states um, who have not legalized it. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal opinion is is the legalization will create a lot more problems. Yeah, that's um, what I've heard. You know, if you look statistically, you look at some of the states, um, Colorado being one of the first who legalized it, you look at poverty um, and other things that has rose. Um, also, not to mention their um, DWI incidences has mm-hmm. risen fatality accidents has risen for them and so the other issue that we see is in in law enforcement and people argue this with us is that the reality is that for a lot of people marijuana really is a gateway to other drugs um, not for everybody I'm not going to say it's that way with everybody but for a lot of people that is the case um, and so usually then that kind of leads them down um, a road that, that they can't recover from. So they may start mm-hmm. with marijuana and then they go, you know, it'll lead to methamphetamines. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, it, there's legal troubles, there's still in, you know, there's all sorts of other things that then come from that. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Texas Police Chiefs Association, it wasn't a big thing really this legislative cycle that we just had, um, but the previous legislation cycle, which I think we're on the 87th right now, so the 85th, there was a big push um, to legalize it. And the Police Chiefs Association here in Texas was was a big, you know, they, they did not want it to happen. So that's where a lot of that research and data um, was really brought from, was a bunch of the chiefs at that time had gone and, and done some more research. And um, it, it, it really creates a lot of other issues. Um, just from our opinion of seeing things on a day-to-day basis, it's, and like I said, it's not that case for everybody, 
but in the overwhelming majority of cases, it does seem that way. All right. You good? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's like, can I ask this? I'm like, you can ask it. I don't know if you'll answer. <laughs> no, I, I don't mind answering. Yeah. Um, we, we, we don't, we wouldn't recommend it, but yeah, that's not always our decision. So you have a personal opinion about that, but I should probably keep it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was coming to town the other day and I come up from Rome mm-hmm. and there were two um, police vehicles on the inside uh Right there by, is it 718 coming north? Um, in Rome? Yeah, uh, no, in Decatur. 2264. No. Um, <laughs> right there by the uh, Honda shop. Uh, Where you exit? 730. 730. What did okay. I say, 718? Yes. No, it was a seven somewhere. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then there were two other police wanting to come around the corner the, where the DPS office is. They were coming down. And they had their lights on. But I'm coming, like, right then, and you're supposed to get over. Mm-hmm. And one of them got out in front of me, and then I'm like, what am I supposed to do? So I was watching them, and I was able to get over on the side, and then they came around me. Did I do the right thing? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to stop on the freeway. You no, know I mean? the biggest know. thing is is just try to get over. Um, yeah. Move to the right-hand side of the road. Okay. If at all possible. Okay. Um, and slow down or get to the shoulder and stop. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but the reality is, is you know, especially with traffic when it's really congested mm-hmm. um, and you see that, you know, try to get over um, to the right-hand side. It's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that's not the case... You know, just slow down and, and try to get over as soon as you can. So I know that this was covered in my driver's ed class, that you're supposed to do that when an emergency mm-hmm. vehicle. I don't know what they teach kids now, if that's still a thing or not. Sometimes I, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Sometimes we question it as yeah. well. <laughs> uh, so if you are in a situation where you're in the left-hand turn lane, and, I mean, what do you do? You just stop. You just stop. Okay. Um, because what will happen is is a lot of times then once we come up to particularly an intersection which where there's a turning lane Mm -hmm. then we can go into the other lane of traffic when it is safe to do so okay or we can navigate that intersection as long as everybody's stopped Mm -hmm. the problem that happens is is a lot of times people they go crazy when they see the lights and sirens coming up behind them Mm -hmm. and they just do some weird stuff. Yeah. And so that creates a lot more problems for us. That would so be interesting. All possible. If you're at, in like a turning lane or something, uh-huh. just stop. Okay. Um, we will go around you. Okay. That's really good to know. Okay. To finish my story there with the police officers, there was another police officer on the southbound side. And then up farther, there was another police officer who had his lights on, and then he cut through the ditch. And I'm like, what is going on in Decatur? <laughs> so was that Monday morning? Uh, I think so. So the, Monday morning, there was actually a, uh, a motorcycle that was being pursued oh. um, by, I know, DPS and some others. So Okay, so you guys were just ready. Yeah, pretty much. Well, we had actually, one of our guys had just made an arrest on the highway. Okay. And so we were just kind of sitting there, um, and it just got done off an arrest, so. Okay, just kind of waiting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'm like, something's happening. I don't know what it is. (laughs) There's always something happening. (laughs) Well, and that's interesting because I, I hear things from you, you know, that things have happened, and I'm like, 
we never hear about those things. Um, I feel like everybody thinks that we have, and we do have a very safe community. Um, so I guess that's a credit to you guys because you do a lot of things that the community doesn't know about. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that that's really good. You, you know, know, and and one of the things, too, is, you know, a lot of agencies utilize their Facebook page in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not allow us to put negative stuff on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, so you won't see that on ours. Um, I don't like that. I've had conversations with individuals who do social media um marketing i guess Mm -hmm. and they disagree with me wholeheartedly Mm. um but i don't like putting that stuff on our facebook page yeah um we have bad things that happen here okay Um, we have people who are arrested for drugs and we have you know people you know the other day we had an incident where i had two officers who were assaulted um by an individual and but we don't put those things on our facebook page Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um I think that um, our citizens know those things happen. Yeah. But they don't know to the extent that they happen. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Um, I'm really more of a positive person. Mm-hmm. Everything that I, I like to see on our Facebook page is positive in nature. Um, I like to see the engaging um, aspects that we have with our community. Mm-hmm. So most of the time we have food um, that is brought to us, those pastries <laughs> um, that get brought up. So that's yeah. when we, we're doing those mm-hmm. those posts and those things like that. And, you know, I just think that's uh, – I don't think your communities want to see all the negative stuff. Mm-hmm. No, I think, it kind of uh, brings you it down. It brings you down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a lot like watching the nightly news. Um, that's all you yeah. see is negative. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like the negative. I like being positive. I like being upbeat. Yeah. You know, the future's bright for the city. It is, um, really. And we've got a lot of things going for us. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that we, we shed light on those things, not the bad things that are going on. Yeah. So is that why the link is broken for dumb, the dumb criminal blog? So <laughs> so that dumb criminal blog, honestly, that was something um, several years ago that was actually attached to our citizens police academy yes um to their website uh-huh. and they don't use that website anymore so <laughs> that's kind of why it's gone away okay but you know they used to do that and they would put little tidbits from different places and okay um, everything on there so those are just so fun they, they are you know <laughs> uh, but and there's never a shortage of them either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bet uh so on that page, though, I was still able to get to the Alumni Association, mm-hmm. but your previous chief is still listed. Yeah, so that's why on that, like I said, that page they don't even use anymore, so okay. I'm surprised you could still even get to it. Yeah, Impressive. yeah. So anyway, it's like we need to update that. We'll, uh, we'll address that. Okay. <laughs> Either update it or make it go away. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so do you have any questions, Denise? I I was actually wondering if you would tell us about the funniest arrest you've ever made. If that's um, something that you can tell us about. Yeah, well, so I'll tell you one of the strangest that I okay. ever had. Um, it was actually not as a, as a Decatur, but when I was a Wise County deputy. Mm. Um, I'd stopped a vehicle one night on the lake road. And as I'm walking up to the vehicle, the entire, all the windows are like fogged over. So I'm thinking, okay, there's something going on that mm-hmm. shouldn't be going on. Yeah. So as I approach the driver's side of the vehicle, 
there's just one guy in there. And he's just, he's just sitting on the side of the road, right? So I'm like, all right, something's going on here. Mm-hmm. So as I start talking to the guy, and you know, I get him out of the car, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, well, you know, my vehicle broke down. I was heading home. Um, I said, well, I noticed your headlights out too. He said, yeah, you know, actually I hit a deer while, you know, back on the road back there. I said, oh, okay. Um, and I'm like, well, you know, do you have anything illegal or anything like that in the car that I need to know about? Because it was just kind of odd the way it was going. Mm-hmm. So as I continue to kind of question him a little bit, he's like, well, no, but you know, I got a machete in the back floorboard. Um, I said, okay. I said, but anything else? He goes, no, he said, but, you know, I had to use the machete to kill the deer that I hit. Oh. So I'm like, what? So he opens the back door, and there's a dead deer in oh, his he, back seat. Oh, he took it with him. Yeah, so that's why his headlight was out, is that he had just hit the deer uh-huh. and busted out his front headlight. Well, he had used the machete then mm-hmm. to kill the deer. That was on the side of the road that he, you know, probably broke a hip or sure, something on the yeah. deer. Uh-huh. So he just loads it up. Well, so I end up calling a game warden, <laughs> and obviously, I'm like, know, is that legal? You know, that, obviously, that's not, not. legal. Um, but it was just roadkill, right? So, do you have anything illegal in the car? I have a deer. Yeah, but like I said, it was just, that was just really odd. Um, <laughs> That's really that one funny. always sticks with me. So yes, I have a story for you. Okay. So when I was little, uh, we had family uh, across the state that we were going to go see, mm-hmm. and so st- another neighbor had uh, her husband was over in that same area, so we were all going to go over together. Mom, dad had a motorhome, so it was a funeral emergency. So middle of the night, whatever, we load up in the motorhome. <laughs> So the tail light's out. Mm-hmm. And so we get out of town where it's dark and the officer pulls us over. And so my dad gets out. I think he's in his socks. And he goes around and he's talking to the officer and he looks back at the motorhome and there's all these women and kids <laughs> <laughs> looking out the back window. And he's like, I just can't even imagine what that guy was thinking. <laughs> uh, so we still talk about that. Okay. What about you? You have any? Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. What is your opinion on, uh, violence in video games causing actual crimes? Man, you know, that's a, that's a real tough question to be honest. Um, you know, I think there is some type of, you could probably correlate the violence that's in the video games, um, to desensitization of an individual. Um, I do think there is something to be said to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can kind of look at it maybe as, you know, you look at the evolution of the video games and how those have changed. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the violence that we have seen with our youth. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's something to be said with that. But then I also think that there can be a correlation as well as to the fact that those games are being played. Um, but there's also a lack of the parenting that we once had. Um, yeah. You know, typically, if you look at the the, the history of a family, mm-hmm. um, it was a husband, wife, and kids. Wife typically stayed home, mm-hmm. um, raised the kids, and the husband went and worked. Mm-hmm. 
well, as things have changed over the time, now typically you have both parents who mm-hmm. are working. And so a lot of times those hours are different. Yeah. And so that too can create another issue. Mm-hmm. But I think there is something, I do think our video games have gotten a lot more violent and a lot more graphic in nature. Definitely. And there is some, you know, some, I think you could correlate it some to that. Yeah. All right. All right. You yeah. are just so lively today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were satisfied with that answer. Okay. I am. I was I was satisfied the moment he acknowledged me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so back to you though, Dummy, what do you think? Uh well, I think that um Video games are. I think I was asking this for a friend. I, I definitely don't have. Uh, I don't. I don't play video games like that anymore. Uh, but I used yes, to. Yes. Right. So uh, it's just. It's just another one of those things that takes time, and uh, it's time that I. I don't really have anymore. Right. So. Which is good, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Spending my time doing m- much more important things. There you go. Doing grown-up adult things. Uh, you know, there are adults that play video games that make a lot more money than I do. There there is a lot of money in that. (laughs) I am surprised how many adults I come across that play video games. I mean, it's not a bad thing, I guess. (laughs) Helps with the hand-eye coordination. Oh, yeah, that is true. Creativity, problem solving. Oh, that's. Mm -hmm. No, that's, yeah, Yeah. it's video games. I mean, it depends on the video game, but yeah. Yeah. So, in your opinion, what is the um, most desired quality in somebody who wants to become an officer? Um, you know what? Um, for me, it really is it's an integrity thing. Okay. Um, you've got to have some integrity. Um, and I think that, that then overlaps into several different other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of times there's so many things that we do as officers. Um, first of all, people have to trust us. Yes. In everything that we do, um, whether anybody's actually around or not, mm-hmm. um, we have to be trustworthy in every single thing that we do. And, you know, you really, you go back and one of the things that we do is we, we've been teaching the last few years at the high school, um, a principles of law class. And mm-hmm. so, one of the things in there that we did is that, and I enjoy doing it, is we talk about um, the Paleon principles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as to how old those things are, um, but how many of those still apply today. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is, is really the people have to trust the law enforcement. And so it's an extremely important for an officer um, to have integrity, um, to know right from wrong, and to do that all the time. So how do you feel about how things are in people trusting you right now? You know, I think a lot of that depends upon where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say for us here in Wise County, mm-hmm. um, we are extremely fortunate and blessed um, for the citizens that we have um, that still support us. Um, they still care for us, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, you go to other parts of the state or even country mm-hmm. where that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's extremely difficult. And you, you talk to those officers and, you know, it, it's it's hard 
to imagine the things that they have to deal with from their citizens. Yeah. Um, but, you know, on the same other hand, a lot of those reasons that they're that way are self-induced by us as law enforcement. And yeah. so you have to, we have to acknowledge that as well. But in the same sense, we're human. Mm-hmm. We make mistakes sure. and we have to learn from those and we have to go on. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that our mistakes um, often are um, amplified so much more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be cognizant of that as officers. Mm-hmm. But for us here in Wise County, um, we're, for the most part, we're still loved by our citizens. And, nice. you know, we still love our citizens back. Yeah. And I think that's that's where you see in these different areas um, of the country, there's a disconnect um, between their, their department and the community. And that's why having those interactions with the community are so important. Yeah. Because when something does happen, you need to be able to have those contacts and that trust that's there prior to that incident yeah. to where they know, hey, look, we get it and we still trust you. Let's learn from this. Let's go on. Um, but unfortunately, there's too many parts of the country where that's not the case. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for me to imagine not having, um, what's the word, respect for mm-hmm. Uh, people in authority Um, so I guess seeing other people it's like why why are you doing that why are you acting that way but not knowing what experiences they've had personally I think probably makes a difference in that but well and for me too I've said for for several years is that there's a when when you start noticing issues with the public and government in general Mm -hmm. Um, then law enforcement in the, this country is the lowest form of government that really there is. Mm. When, you, when you really look at it, law enforcement itself is the lowest form of government. Mm-hmm. So typically some of these cities that are having issues or struggling, it's really because of other issues. But then law enforcement is just sometimes the trigger that ignites those issues. Um, and I mean, you, you really, you, you take a look back at the history, um, of law enforcement and then compare that to the history of things that are going on in the country at the same time. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to be said for the correlation that's taking place because, you know, if you're, if you're upset and torqued off at the governor, you can't go down to the governor's office, um, and throw a fit. That's true. But you can get stopped by a law enforcement officer. And you take that frustration out on them. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I think there's a lot of that that goes into play, too, is just we're the lowest form of government. Yeah. And so a lot of times that that frustration is taken out towards us. That's sad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry people do that to you, to all of you in general. I don't know. I don't like it. It's like, for me, it's a form of, like, if they tell you to do something, you should do it, and then you can ask questions later. I know Denise is probably like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> sure. Brandon, who's in the military. Yes, yeah, it's, right. it's difficult to uh, to say because in the military that we just had uh, a lot of leadership that they just, it, it wasn't worth it to follow them. Um, so 
as as a human that goes through like any any type of like really strenuous like training uh, in order to fill a position, if if you can't get your own job right, then you're not gonna like have your have people listen to you at all. So mm. it's it's really difficult to um to judge like the civilian side of that with uh, police versus like MPs or anything. But yeah, well, and and it's kind of you know. And that's why it's important for us as a profession, you know, and I don't refer to it as anything else other than, you know, our, our job, it's a profession Mm -hmm. um, and we have to act that way. Yes. Um, And that goes a long way with kind of what you're saying, Brandon is, you know, we have to act professional. Um, And so there's a lot to be said with that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully one of these days I'm going to get some time, but one of the things I want to do is I want to do some research because I am, I'm convinced that there's a direct correlation too, with the way we are changing law in law enforcement, mm-hmm. and the way we look, the way we dress, the way we do things, that is also directly related to that professionalism side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in recent years, a lot of agencies have switched to like load bearing style vest. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks tactical. Yes. Well, in academies, one of the first things that we're taught is, in use of force, is your presence. Your mere presence is the first step. Okay. Just showing up in general is the first step. Mm-hmm. Well, if you show up and you're looking like you're ready to fight, what is going to be the perception that's going to come back? Yeah. Is there's automatically this perception that, hey, they're here to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's automatically aggressive. A hundred percent. So there's that, that aggressive appearance that's already there mm-hmm. as compared to, you know, we stick to a traditional policing uniform. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot to be said to that. There's a Thank lot you. to be said with facial hair now that a lot of people, <laughs> and this is a very controversial <laughs> um, subject between uh-huh. facial hair, tattoos, and other things that we now... Once in law enforcement, you would have never seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You would have never seen an officer um, with a full beard. You would never see officers with visible tattoos. So the tattoos, I can understand, could be a form of more aggression. But what about the beard or facial hair? That seems... It's just not... It, it's not a professional okay. um, law enforcement look. Okay. And the thing is, is that in law enforcement... Everybody pictures what a professional look is. Yes. And I guarantee you, if you're sitting there and you visualize what does a professional officer look like, there is no beard. Yeah. There is no beard. Yeah, and I think the beard will also uh, obscure. I mean, you you were talking earlier how it's already kind of difficult to show emotion on your face with a beard covering that up. Mm. Like, you really can't tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so... It could also escalate the aggression. Miscommunication, for sure. Yeah. Because body language. Yeah, and I you mean, read uh, it. They, they do, too. Right. And yeah. so I think there's a lot. There's just a lot to go with those things. Um, and I think if you take, take it back and you start looking at about the time that we started doing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just go back to the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at around the 2000, 2001. Well, in 2001, we had 9-11. Um, for those that are old enough to remember that. Yes. And, you know, at that point in time, there was a huge um, 
support for police, fire, military. Yes. And so that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. So then we go off and we start having these conflicts overseas. Mm -hmm. um, and we had a lot of individuals, um, once that was over, who came back. Well, law enforcement at that time gets on, hey, these are individuals that we can quickly hire mm -hmm. because of their tactical experience, because of their um, their skill set that they have from being in the military. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of the tattoos and stuff were brought from that as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then fast forward to, um, what is it, 13, somewhere in there, to Ferguson, Missouri. Yeah. Um, and the Michael Brown incident. Mm -hmm. So when you look, there's other issues that were surrounding that whole deal. Yeah. But through that whole time frame, now you start seeing more of the tattoos being visible. And as law enforcement, we're trying to say, okay, well, hey, you know, because of that incident, we have to connect more with our community. Well, how do we do that? Well, we, we're going to start allowing tattoos. and We missed what we're trying to connect. Mm -hmm. It's not a physical connection. Mm -hmm. um, it is, it's, it's a comfort level. It's that trust. It's that integrity. Yeah. It's those other things that I talked about a while ago. To mm -hmm. me, we missed that. And we're still missing it. Yeah, because that's not that's not what our communities are wanting. They're wanting the officers to be friendly. They're mm -hmm. they're wanting to um, have that connection on a personable letter le level, mm -hmm. not on a physical appearance level. Yeah, I kind of think that correlates with the way parenting is because it's more like parents of a certain age want their want to be friends with their children and not mm -hmm. necessarily be that authority figure. And so it kind of is rolling over into that situation also of wanting to be more friends right. versus the authority figure. Right. Yeah. And, you know, as law enforcement, we have to understand, you know, that our, our appearance mm -hmm. by merely showing up to an incident mm -hmm. is it's a big thing. Yeah. It really is. And if we look like we're showing up to fight, you're liable to get a fight response back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for some reason, I don't think we're all on board with that. And so I'm hopeful that that can be something that we can continue to change and address. And it's not, I mean, I don't think it has anything. The issues that we have have nothing to do with tattoos or, or beards. Yeah. So. And like you said, it's, it's higher up. There's other leadership that ha is having issues higher up that may be causing those issues down low. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, there, there is. And so it's, it's the main thing for a, a law enforcement agency is you don't want to be disconnected from your community. Mm. That, that's the biggest thing is if you lose that disconnect, mm -hmm. that's when you're just waiting um, for something to erupt. And you really go back and you study Ferguson. That's really what happened in that community is you had a department, not to get racial, but mm -hmm. a, a department that was predominantly all white mm -hmm. um, in an African-American community. And there was no communication, really. And so you're really just waiting for something to explode. Yeah. And that's what happened. And then that just spirals so many things out of control. Yeah. That's fascinating. 
So that actually answers one of my questions about if you were to write a book, what would it be about? (laughs) 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 Um, Do you have a book that you would recommend? So honestly, here lately, Mm -hmm. um, I have uh, read The Extreme Leadership or Extreme Ownership, Mm -hmm. um, Jocko Willink um, and Leif Babin. And then the dichotomy of leadership. Those lately are two of my favorite books. Um, I think they're just phenomenal leadership books. Um, They basically take the military style of the SEALs and then they put that into real world situations. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of similarities in between those two worlds um, that they, they really carry that over into. Understanding the especially the dichotomy of leadership. It's really a a building block on that first book and understanding that, yeah, you know, even though as a leader um, you you have to feel for your employees, but at the same time you have to have discipline. So that's really that dichotomy is knowing when to step up and discipline and then knowing when to step back and allow them to work and allow them um, to do their thing. All right, so y'all. those two books, <laughs> I <Yeah>. highly recommend. <laughs> uh, okay, so I lost my train of thought now that I was uh, giving them a hard time. Um, oh, that's what I was going to say. Our chief of police reads people, so I just want you to know reading Which is important. Which is amazing because, you know, my child was surprised that I went to Barnes & Nobles one day to buy a book, so I'm not normally a big reader, so. I love it. Unless it's Dr. Seuss, and I'm all over Dr. Seuss. Yes. Well, we'll have to have you come in and read to the kids. I we love Dr. Seuss. That. Okay. We just had our only big Dr. Seuss Dr. Seuss. Yes. Oh, only Dr. Seuss. Okay. Well, that's okay. We can do Dr. Seuss again. <laughs> Um, all right. Do you guys have any more questions? Um, have you ever heard of Shel Silverstein? No. Oh man, because he's an, he's another one that's like it could be like Doctor Seuss. You can tell some really fantastic tales uh, in a short paragraph. In poetry. poetry. That's what I like. Short. Oh yes, you would and love pictures. Yes. Yeah. Picture yep. Too. Yep. So Shel Silverstein. Uh, we we have a bunch of a few different Shel Silverstein books. So yeah. I highly recommend them. They are very funny. The kids love them. You would love them. I love them. Yeah. So if I would, would have known we'd have been talking about that, I would have brought one to read. <laughs> so I'm going to have to check it out then. Yes. Absolutely. Do you have a library card? I do not have a library <laughs> card. <laughs> Let me just tell you, today is your day. My kids do have a library card now. Okay, good. But this is important. We just had a design contest for our library. Mm-hmm. Uh, cards. Mm-hmm. And so this week is National Library Week. So you can get uh, your card since you don't have one. You can pick any design. Uh, we have three different ones. And your kids can change theirs out for a dollar. Wow. Normally we charge $2 for a replacement card. Mm-hmm. But they have ladybugs on them and books and stuff. So I'm sure they will want to do that then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure to. they will. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh man, I still need to do that. <laughs> I know the week's almost over. <laughs> We're gonna have to pay two dollars for our card. Okay, I have two more questions. Uh-huh. One is if you were to go back to your 18 year old self and give yourself advice, what would you say? 
So I would most definitely say pay more attention in school. Okay. Um, to be honest, I never would have thought when I was 18 mm-hmm. um, that math or reading would be a bigger part of my profession now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my teachers tried to tell me uh-huh. that math and reading are extremely important. And so I would like to go back and tell myself, your <laughs> teachers are correct. <laughs> <laughs> and now that you are one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That math and reading is extremely important. Yeah. Very good. Okay. I like that answer. Is there anything that we have not talked about that you really want to talk about that we haven't asked? Um, no, I mean, you know what, honestly, we want, for me as the chief, I just want people to know that, look, if something with an interaction or something with the department didn't go the way that they thought it should, Mm -hmm. don't hesitate to ask us. Um, because a lot of times that's part of that disconnect is that the citizens don't know. And there may be a reason why we're doing something a certain way. Mm-hmm. So feel free to ask us, um, you know, or after an incident is over and, and you don't understand, reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Um, call to the PD, ask, um, come by. We like people coming by, too. We like people come by and visit us. You know, a lot of times I'll get up and look out my window. There's all these people hanging out, you know, come to see the firemen. And I look out front, and there's nobody coming to see the police. Mm. Okay, so, so so let's talk about that. Let's talk about your entrance, <laughs> Delvin. I know. <laughs> so I've gone over there. It's the same parking lot right by the fire station. Mm-hmm. That's that, And then you go in that one door. If you're on the left, the building that's on the left. We're on the left. Yeah. So is that the front entrance? That's the front entrance. Okay. And do you have to push the doorbell to get in? No, our door is always open. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so when you go in, I've gone in and there's been nobody there. Right, then you have to push a little speaker intercom. Okay. Um, because we don't have a front staff position. Okay, which you have to do at the fire department too uh, as well, if you, even to get in the door at times. Mm, I think they're back to having theirs open now. Are they? Yeah. Okay. Um, so how could you make that more inviting? Say, come in and see us. So we will be building a new facility, okay, um, which will go towards that. Um, hopefully, I would love for it to happen by the end of next year. Oh, that would be fantastic. Um, but we'll see how that goes with building and mm-hmm. getting supplies and everything. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But that's my goal is hopefully by Christmas of 23, um, we will have a new, more inviting entrance um, that actually looks like a front door. Instead of a back door, um, okay. escape route. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but in the meantime, that's pretty much all we've got. Okay. So we still, you know, would love for people to come up and visit. We're okay with that. Okay, very good. Uh, you can pass that design by me, and I will let you know if it's inviting or not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm the one that you want uh, to tell you that, but. Um, all right, so I think that's probably all that we have today. All right, well, thank you very much. You bet, anytime. Chief Campbell for coming and visiting with us. We did really enjoy it, and we will probably ask you to come back. I mean, okay, I said probably. We will ask you to come back. I would love to come back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Long Overture podcast uh, coming to you from Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas. Bye.